Our guest today has had many roles over the years within the Web2 space, including project manager, COO, and business developer. After business hours, she volunteered within the Drupal community, bringing together developers from all over the world at conferences she organized. After burning out from web development projects, unmanageable deadlines and clients, she quit her job and decided to take a break and apply for roles she really wanted to do full time, ones where she could be involved in community and event management. She joined Parity's DevRel team in March 2022 as a newbie in Web3, and I'm happy to report she loves her job for the first time in her life. Her name is Sophie Major. Sophie, welcome to We Belong Here. Thank you. Hello. Hello. See ya, Sophie. Hoi vey. What, Aaron, what did you just say? <laughs> um, I said, hi, Sophie. How are you? What language did you use? Hungarian, I hope. Oh, hoi vey. Ah, close. Damn. <laughs> the G sound was missing. <laughs> But it's fine. But I understood. All good. All good. It's been it's been a while. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's yes, okay. Sophie can... uh, is Hungarian, and Aaron has spent some time there. And I suppose you were trying to show off, but womp womp. <laughs> you gotta try. Like it's, it pays to make an effort sometimes. Yeah, shoot your shot, brother. I get it. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, we should declare for the audience that we are coworkers. We love Zofie. We are on the same developer relations team with her, and it's such a joy to have a friend today on the show. It would have been awful if you didn't get to say that you're happy to report she loves her job. Like, imagine if her intro had been like, and unfortunately, she still doesn't really like her job because her coworkers are awful. Or like, she's that like actively really... looking to leave <laughs> <Yeah>. us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to say I'm very lucky or not just because I love my job. Part of me loving my job is because I have awesome colleagues. No. Well, I'm excited to be chatting with you today and have you here. I want to, yeah, share your story, uh, go back in time a little bit, you know, talk about that transition into Web3 and your excitement, your trepidation, you know, what did you know? What didn't you know? What surprised you? All those sort of things. Where should we begin? It's a long journey. We can begin. It. Where Where is the beginning? That's the question. That's the question. I never know how to answer. I was born. <laughs> I was born. I was born many, many years ago. I was born in Budapest, Hungary. I never, well, I left the country a few times, but only for traveling. I studied communication and media and marketing at the university, which sounds like I was supposed to work in PR and marketing and communication. Mm. And I actually had totally different plans before starting working in IT, but this is how it's like right after university, I, my very first job was in IT. So it just happened to be a job that I was hired for. And then this is how it started. And this is how it's going right now, I think, or this is, well, it's, it's a tiny bit different now than it was 12 years ago, but, but this is how it, how that started. It's interesting how our first job can then set us on a path mm -hmm. yes a trajectory that we were not expecting it to and it sounds like that was the case for you and absolutely so in high school I wanted to work in theater as dramaturgist and I wanted to be in backstage and wanted to help theater shows coming together and I I in the university I had not volunteer jobs but very well not well paid job where I was an assistant to opera productions at an opera festival. And it was very exciting to be wow. backstage and helping, like seeing how a show comes together. And, and it has all so many small pieces and I loved doing that, but it was just like a tiny, tiny little work. 
And then I also wanted to to work in, in diplomatic protocol, which sounds weird now looking back because I'm so not the type of person who can, <laughs> well, I can pull it off if I really want to, but I had to realize I'm not cut for that, especially in politics. It's it's not really for me. But you're you're so good at, at hiding what your true feelings are about things, Sophie. Like you're not outspoken in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> I usually, well, I, I have manners. That's what I like to say. If I, oh, if I, if you could, sometimes you could hear what I have inside of me. Nobody would, would allow me to even say another word. But yeah, and then I like I was interested in IT, but I never thought that I would become an account manager at a web agency and then then move on and, and then be a project manager and, and eventually run, well, be a COO, chief operating officer of a company or run a team of 12 plus people. This is how it just started. It was really lucky to get my basically first job. I was on a bus every morning and the bus passed by a building that had very fancy yellow black signs all over it. And it turned out it was a creative agency that had Mm. like online department and an offline department and 3D department as well. And then I applied and they hired me for some reason. I had zero (laughs) like knowledge. So I, I, I just came out of university and I guess it sounded interesting for them. And that's how I started working with Drupal. That was my first job, basically being an account manager assistant for a guy who was the account manager and he was running the Drupal projects of the company, basically. That's how it all started. And that's not when I started actually contributing to Drupal, but that's how that's how I got involved and that's how it, it got really interesting and and i realized that maybe i have some sense to to do this or i i can understand a lot of things i do not code but i understand a lot of things around it mm-hmm. so this is how it grew where did the burnout come i know that you paused at one point and did a reflection on your career trajectory when did that happen how did you navigate that when you recognized it what did you do so i i had to realize that i actually burned out twice and, and two of them were pretty serious, but after the first one, I just, how I navigated was I woke up in the morning and I felt sick to my stomach that I mm. had to have my coffee, dress up, go to work and just do the stuff because I, di- I didn't see my job as something successful. I felt successful in a way, but I didn't see very good results in, in what I was doing and it was a chaos and it was part of like bad management decisions. It usually is at smaller companies and, and not so, well, chaos is not a good word, but it, it was just falling over me and I didn't mm-hmm. have enough control over myself and my actions too. Mm-hmm. And then then I actually quit and I went to be, so it was when I was a COO and I didn't feel good. And it was, it has so many, it has so many other aspects too, but in general, it wasn't, wasn't a successful experience for me. And then I went to be an office manager at a startup. So that was a year break after burning out. Like the only thing I wanted to do is like, I didn't want to have too many responsibilities in that saying that an office manager doesn't have a lot of responsibilities. In some cases they have most or more than than most of the people but I wanted to have just like a a calm job where I the only thing that I need to make sure is we have enough coffee and we have enough fruits (laughs) on the table and everybody's happy Mm -hmm. that is one of the most important jobs in any office though right making sure there's enough caffeine yes 
and they they loved me and they they gave me more responsibilities so you know <laughs> of course all that's how it always happens you know your only thing you reward from being good at your job is you just get more of your job to do yeah well and and i i can understand and relate to that feeling where you're like i want a job where i can just go and be on but then when i leave i can turn it off Right. Yes. And yes. that protects my sanity a bit. And that allows me to protect my personhood and the the drain that a job can put on you. Absolutely. And also in, well, I'm not sure if it's a Hungarian thing, but in Hungary, we like to take our jobs home in not a good way. And when I say not a good way, is that it's okay if I think about stuff at home, maybe some good ideas come when you're at home and cooking dinner or something. But if you're stressing out while you're at home after work about the next day and what's gonna happen, it's, it's just not, not okay. And I know it's a problem in Hungary and many, many friends of mine have the same problem. And when I actually started working at a German company and where I could just say at the end of the day, like, I'm the gone, bye, see mm -hmm. you tomorrow. It was remote work, but obviously see you tomorrow online. I could see that it can happen differently. So I don't have mm -hmm. to feel like crap at the end of the day. And I don't have to, to wake up again being sick to my stomach that I have mm. to do it all over again. But then I, COVID came and then I went back to previous company where I worked at CEO. And then after a year, I realized that working with projects and clients and deadlines and all this stuff, um, it's just too much. You don't really have the control again. Agency work specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, when you're beholden to a client, that complicates things in such a way that you feel powerless. You can feel powerless. Yes. And I felt absolutely powerless, even though I liked the clients, but it felt really sure. bad that I had to push the developers all the time to do more, be better, and don't like do overtime. I didn't, they didn't really have to do overtime because, well, I didn't have to ask, I didn't want to ask them to do overtime, but in the end, it was always like if someone was always working late into mm -hmm. the night and I didn't feel good about it. And it's, if you're running a team, you're responsible for them as well and for their mental health. And I just, I had to say at some point that I, it's not, it's not for me. I cannot, I cannot do that because my own mental health comes first. That should always come first. And then I, I took a break and decided that whatever happens, happens. I'm not going to take another job that's going to kill me in three months or four <laughs> months or six months. Or at least I will try. Yeah, I love that. I think it's so important to prioritize your mental health and to even have that self-knowledge, self-reflection that I, I need out. Yeah. And I think that's that's really hard for, for many people out there because... You have been doing something for, in my case, 12 years. 12 years is a lot. I'm 37. So basically, I was doing same or similar type of jobs since I graduated. And then ever since, I was doing the same thing professionally. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was kind of a leap of faith in a way that maybe I have enough experience coming from my volunteer work in the Drupal community that I can apply for jobs that have something to do with community management or mm -hmm. even management in IT because that's a specific thing. Yeah. While I was out for two months job hunting, basically, I actually had talked to a lot of recruiters and then they saw my CV and then they, they asked me why I want to do something else than what I have experience in. And I told them that because this is what I want to do. I understand you have four, five jobs that you could offer me at this point. 
with like product owner, project manager, product mm. manager, whatever. Saying, Why do it again? Yeah, I, you yeah. know, you know the yeah. story there. Yeah, exactly. And then I, I, I got into parody and, and I am literally doing what I love doing the most at the moment. And I think it's very good. It's very nice to be me now. I enjoy it a lot. <laughs> you couldn't have known that me and Lauren were going to work at parody whenever you joined. So that's not the bit that got you excited to join parody. I know it's the bit why you're excited to continue to work at parody. Okay. And I thank you very much for that. What initially got you excited about changing from web two to web three? I gotta be honest. I didn't know too much about web three before I joined. Of course, the basic information, what you can read on the internet, like not very deep thought. What was interesting is that, and we used to talk about this with, I have a lot of friends in IT, the developers who read a lot about new technological approaches and, and where it can go and mm. data privacy and, and all the stuff that matters to people now. We talked about this and then it sounded like it's something that's here to stay and it actually makes sense what it's all about mm -hmm. that it's not for me it's one part of course is is the tech, technology part because what we're doing at parody polkarot is i think it's a very cool technology and it's very interesting it's not boring but also the economical aspect of the whole web3 space is very exciting and and to to be i don't know more conscious about how we are handling the data and and how we are, are doing things online and mm -hmm. and what's happening and how do we trust or do not trust other parties with our money and and our personal information or other parts mm -hmm. for me that was very interesting and i try to explain how how it is or what it is to my parents and and they are they are like old oldies with goldies so they they are coming with an IT background and they kind of understood one part of it and then they started googling articles and and they wanted to understand more about it but they they also said that hmm yeah it makes a lot of sense and when my dad says that and he's not critical immediately then I'm like okay it, it makes sense I guess but it, it was also very scary but it's mostly for the again the being a woman somewhere in a space or like in our team I was the first woman but in general in in the web3 space there are not so many women it's always the the nfts and the and the crypto bros thing that comes up that like yeah. you, you can just like i don't know i will go crazy and mad when when i hear about those and the unicorns and all the other stuff i think it's important to say again and again and again as often as we need to that all of web3 does not equal what you just said right yeah. the things that absolutely people are quick to associate to this crypto space right and so people just quickly think bros you know association that people make but here we are three of us give zero shits about things like that right and are doing cool stuff with interesting and important technology and we don't touch any of those sort of things so i don't know i just really think it's important to carve out that space and remind people that there is so much more beyond the icky side of it mm -hmm. but it could be so easy for the icky side to become the majority like it did in in regular tech for so long if people don't make changes like if people aren't as you're doing with this podcast lauren if people aren't coming into the space and trying to make it more inclusive and trying to make it more welcoming for other people like it's so easy for that very vocal 
minority of like crypto bros to really like spoil the whole bushel. But also I think in, in case of Polkarot, I think it of course there will be folks with multiple angles. So I don't expect mm. everybody to come here for the technology and, and I don't think well that will also not be diverse enough. What I would love to like stop seeing that I am and it didn't happen here in the Web3 space, it happened to me before that I was invited to events or to, to do this or that, I don't know, conferences, put together program, just because I was a woman. I, I want to go to places because uh, conferences, I want to do this and that because I'm interested in that. And mm -hmm. what I would like to see more of at Polkarot as well, for example, more women or whatever kind of diversity we're talking about to be here for the technology. I don't know much about NFTs. I don't know much about girly stuff. So that doesn't really entertain me. I just want mm. to have more audience to to what we are creating our, our our technological education part and if we have we we can i don't know make it more charming is not the right word but more interesting for women other folks mm -hmm. who are right now in minority in the space i think it's, yeah. it's a very good goal i want to to do it because again it's not all about the unicorns and, and the butterflies and, and we are not here to be the faces of something we are here to create something and yeah. um I find it very important. Yeah. hundred percent. There's an activist online, uh, Kim Creighton. She talks a lot about, you know, don't give me the slot that you don't want. Don't invite me to, to be the speaker at, at the conference where you can't go. Like, don't give yeah. me the thing, your scraps. Like, give me the thing that's that hurts you to give to me, the thing that you want to do not the thing that you don't want to do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's really similar to a conversation that we had last week with Alex from BitGreen. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, don't just put me on a panel as the token either. Or don't just ask me to be on a woman's panel and talk about being a woman, you know? Like, let's talk about the technology. <laughs> yes. We're able to. And it's really minimizing and almost dehumanizing just to have me on for the sake of being a woman. So yeah, I think that really aligns very much so. Yeah. I, I also want to transition and chat more about community work and what specifically you love about that because it sounds like that's what you were looking for when you were making your pivot and that's then what brought you to Parity. And I want to know specifically, you know, why do you love community management, conferences, hackathons? What about all of that just lights you up? Absolutely, going back to, to the technology part and uh, because I find that very interesting. Mm -hmm. I love open source and I love that anybody who has some kind of understanding of like the basics can come and, and just contribute and, and be part mm -hmm. of it. For me, when I was organizing conferences, many years ago, or when I started organizing conferences was mostly because I wanted to help people to get better jobs, to create a better living for themselves. We actually mm. put together from zero, having zero money, uh, put together a conference of, I think, 500 people that was specifically for Eastern European developers to, to show themselves to Western European developers. Cool. and offer them an opportunity to to talk to to companies who could potentially hire them and back then like i don't know five six years ago remote work wasn't like it is today mm -hmm. so it wasn't mm -hmm. that preferred and you had to be very good and very lucky to get a job remotely if you were nice. based in eastern europe or mm -hmm. you were working from for a local company who was basically a body shop to western european uh country uh, companies so i wanted to create 
a space for them to meet and wanted to to give them an opportunity to to find jobs and and learn a lot together and and grow mm -hmm. like that and network and and meet more people and this is what i actually like now about what i'm doing is basically creating a space and creating opportunities for for those who want to learn more about mm -hmm. polkadot about substrate about ink about whatever we are doing here because mm -hmm. potentially it can change their lives and those who are i i believe i may be naive but i believe that those who really want to get to something they they can achieve it if they really focus on it and i want to make sure that we give them all the possibilities and it's if it's up to them if they take it then it's going to be up to them but i want to 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 be there and help them as as much as we can with with this technology that we are working with because who knows they could be very successful founders Mm -hmm. See, I like I joined in March, and I heard so already heard so many very cool, interesting stories of hackathon participants. They are waiting for their second funding round, and we are talking about huge amount of money that I couldn't even think about. And then it turns out that they practically, I don't know, came together at a hackathon that we organized, or or the local community organized. And it's like, come on, it's ah, it's awesome, and I'm very very proud that if I can be just one tiny part of it, I think. And I can be very proud. A part of helping people come together and forming those ideas and yeah, facilitating it, creating that space for people to have those light bulb moments and yeah, yeah be off to the races then. That's so yes. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And ensure yeah. that you're you're in for their airdrop for their token. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very close to that page. If you listen to this, just don't forget me. Yeah. <laughs> so the DevRel team in Parity is pretty new. Um, I said yourself, you were one of the, the first people on the team back in like March. And obviously our our remit, our mission, our passion is to, to get these developers, all the things that you said there, you know, to really help them um, grow as developers in Web3. But what do you think the largest obstacle facing developer relations, not just in Parity, but developer relations in like Web3 as a whole is? It's a hard question for me because I am, um... I don't have a DevRel background like you do. So all, all my background, it's, it's not a background, it's just an experience. What I was doing before is probably closer to, to DevRel than to marketing. So I can only mm -hmm. say what I feel or how I feel about it. I think that as we have in our space, in the Polkadot ecosystem, for example, as we have more and more teams joining, they will have more and more DevRel folks joining them. and helping their their work is is very hard and it's basically coming together and sharing sharing the knowledge and and making sure that uh we can be decentralized but still work together towards the same goal without i don't know appointing someone to be the face in front of the whole bunch i think that's hard but also taking a step back i think it's also important to actually realize that there is a need for DevRel because that's how yeah. the community is going to form and grow. I'm curious to know what is exciting for you when you look at the future of Web3. It's such early days still, mm -hmm. but what has you feeling optimistic and hopeful? I hope that with all the work that we are currently preparing in our team and, and with the help of the teams around us at Parity, we can create a support system for for other ecosystem teams and anyone in the community who is not part of an ecosystem team to 
get all the resources to to have a place where they can just go to and they will find everything they need if they don't find it there they will have some kind of information where they should look for it and it's not just like creating a very good wiki but it's creating a hub for content and a really good guide for for those who want to start building a project in in with polkadot for example so mm-hmm. to 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 just start somewhere and because i know that starting is very hard and it's like yeah yeah i can i can, I can spend well, not just spend waste hours hours and hours in like reading documentation and mm-hmm. and and watching videos where they repeat the same thing all over but it's actually like getting answers to the basic questions is is very challenging at the moment mm-hmm. and i want to make sure that by the end of next year we get to create something that will allow more and more hackers for example who are joining the hackathons mm-hmm. to to build something very cool so the only thing they will need is basically have an idea and then we can give them or we can help them get the rest of what they need within, I don't know, a resource guide or, or some kind of yeah. similar platform. All the tools they need to be successful. Yes. Yes, exactly. And also what we're doing with the whole DevRel team with the different aspects like the Twitch stream and, and, and the written materials and everything else. I think these are supporting each other very well. Absolutely. And I think it's helping everybody to... It's also helping us a lot to to reach out to to folks and and talk more um, and understand what they need and what they want to know. It definitely feels to me like, because I'm obviously very new to Web3 uh, coming into it as well, that there definitely feels like there's a lot of kind of gatekeeping in the past. This was hard for me to learn. It should be hard for you to learn too. Is that is that something fair to say? Is is that mentality changing, do you think? or I think it is changing. It's also, I think, comes with the decentralization because it's like one part is I don't know what I don't know. So mm-hmm. I will need some help to, to understand what I could learn and and what piece of information may be missing but also not knowing about where that information could be and it's very that it's very possible that something that i i want to learn about or more know more about exists somewhere already but like where should i look for it how how should i find it what what again like what do i need to know in order to be able to search for that specific thing. And I think it's it's more like that. And because this is also very new, it's, yeah, mm-hmm. there are a bunch of people at meetups as well, but but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's still like growing and it's still baby steps in a way. So it's, it's not like, I don't know, 20 years of an already, like a technology that's already here yeah. and it's, you, you already have seniors. So you will not find, I don't know, a Polkadot senior if you're trying to hire someone. So I think that part is really, really tricky, but, but we, I think we are giving a lot of helping hands already in through our, our different programs and it's gonna, just gonna keep growing. Yeah, fingers crossed. That's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we'd like to finish up with like some rapid fire questions. So just gonna go straight into them. What is your favorite app on your phone? It's a good question. I think it's it's Telegram. And I hate to say it's Telegram. I haven't used Telegram this much before I joined the Web3 space. Although I had Yeah, it. Web3 folk are obsessed with Telegram. Yeah, yeah they, they love Telegram. I used to, I like, I used it before, but I think that's the one that I opened the most. Yeah, 100%. What would you say is Web3 in one word? In one word, a future... Like yeah, it. yeah. What is your non-tech passion? I do silversmithing. I create jewelries. Wow. Yeah, 
a really cool Instagram for it. So I think we should shout that out at the end. <laughs> it's a good follow. Okay. What are you going to learn or learn about next? Uh, more about Web3 and Polkadot and everything that's not Polkadot, but Web3, if it makes sense. I think I need to, I need to grow my knowledge. Mm -hmm there because there are so many ecosystems around us and so many protocols that it would be really nice to understand those as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So last rapid fire question then, what's a good book you've read recently? I am actually now reading Ellen Rickman's diary that just came oh. out. So I would love to recommend that. I you recommend it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very cool. He he's a very awesome guy and it's yeah. he's this I love him. He he was a yeah. wonderful actor. Oh, I'm obsessed. Okay, I will. I'm excited to give that a read and to chat more about that with you. Okay, well, thank you so much, Sophie. I guess I, I want to ask before we part if you have any advice for those who are wanting to transition into Web3 that you can share. I think it's not necessarily only about Web3. It's about trying to reach your, your goals and dreams. It's just try because it cannot go wrong. If it's not immediately, then it's going to happen at some point if you work for it. Mm -hmm. And I, I try to be the type of person like do or do not, there is no try. And I know mm -hmm. I just said, just try, but if you don't try it at all or don't do it at all, it's, it's never going to happen and, and that you're going to miss everything. And if it happens, then you will be happier. So yeah. why not? You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yes. Okay, well, please make your shout out. What are things that you would like listeners to go check out? Take a look at the Polkadot Twitter because we have very cool content there that's all about not just Polkadot, well, all about Polkadot, of course, but not just what we are doing, but a lot of other content too. And the parody blog as well and, and all the written content about Polkadot because we are sharing a lot of educational stuff. There are very cool things coming for our job as well for hackathons, uh, we are planning, it will take some time, but uh, in early 2023, we are planning to put together a hackathon calendar and hopefully a newsletter too, where you can just find more information about what we're doing. Amazing. Very cool. So I think the last thing then is where can people find you online, including your uh, silversmithing Instagram? I am very happy to share the ID of my silversmithing Instagram on Twitter. So if you want to chat about something, feel free to find me in a DM on Twitter. Just don't tell me that you're going to send me a thousand tokens <laughs> if I send you this and that, because I'm not going to do that. But if you write me a message on, on Twitter, I'm very happy to, to chat. I have to admit, I've had my DMs open on Twitter as long as I've had Twitter. And I don't normally get an awful lot of spam messages. The moment that I put in there that I had like started working in Web three, it mm -hmm. is, it is pretty consistent. Like. Yes. Yeah, I just blogged for people only today. Yeah, Aaron, try being a woman in Web three. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I feel real bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> but I always read the messages before deleting them, so. If you message me on Twitter, I'm going to find it. Well, thank you so much, Sophie, again, for being here, telling us your story and sharing what you're excited about for the future and providing resources for folks to learn more about Polkadot and how to build, how to get started. I think that that is so fun and exciting. So yeah, we really appreciate you. We love you and we hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you for having me. I love you too. It's such a good conversation. Thank you so much. I don't... Okay, I'm going to try it. 
Vizlat. Perfect. Very good. Yes. Mm, redemption. <laughs> Got it. Did you spend the entire call working on that in your head? Yeah, I just had it mute. I've had my mic muted. I've been saying it over and over and over again <laughs> for the last like 40 minutes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. So that was a fun episode with Sophie. That was really fun and really special, I think, because it's not every day you get to pause and ask your coworkers their life story, right? There's something really uh, wonderful <laughs> about being able to say, like, tell me about what you were up to before this. Because sometimes you just jump straight into those relationships with people and you never pause to go back and say, like, what's made you who you are? I don't know. I loved it. <laughs> Yeah, I guess as well, like, Sophie was really on the team whenever we were there. So she got to interview us before we joined. So she knew a little bit about our background. But yeah, I think that was Good point. my first time hearing um, a lot about kind of her background. And it was, yeah, it was it was interesting to get that context on, on somebody that we, we both work with. Kind of leads me into, like, the elephant in the room <laughs> is that we both work with Sophie. Because we work on yes. the same team together. And... Sophie made a point about burning out because she kept bringing her work home with hmm. her. <laughs> ah, which is the definition of our relationship. No, that's not. I mean, is it? I don't know. Yes, we are married. We have a family. And not only do we work at the mm -hmm. same company together, but we are on the same developer relations team. So we have, I mean, multiple calls together a day. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we bring our work home. But I don't feel as though I'm sounds like I have a question in my voice when I'm saying this, but I should say it confidently. <laughs> I love working with you. <laughs> I love working with you too. But we have to be honest that we bring our work home. We do. It led to her burnout. Do you think it will lead to our burnout? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I honestly I I did feel a real connection around her her talking about her burnout from the agency. Like I've done agency work in the past. Um, and yeah, I, I burned out really quickly there as well. Like it is, it's a difficult job to do. Like agency work is difficult work to do. There is sometimes such a disconnect between different departments. You know, you, your developers obviously trying to build the best product they can, but then like your project managers may have promised the client a deadline that's unrealistic or, you know, salespeople may have over promised something. And it's when you're on a product team. I find it's a little bit easier or different to be able to realign those priorities or change the the project scope. But when you're an agency building for a client, like it's just so much harder to go back and go, oh yeah, we know we we said we'd build this thing for this amount of money, but actually we're going to give you this thing that's a little bit less. You know, it's it's a hard thing to do. Yeah, I guess that wasn't something I have ever experienced. I've never worked for an agency before, so I I have heard people certainly on this show we've had guests talk about agency work and how you're kind of always answering to someone else and a new client every mm -hmm. every few months and so like as though you could have a new boss every few months too and I think <laughs> poor management can be a major reason why people leave their jobs in the first place so I think she kind of even mm. alluded to that at certain points so yeah I think it was really cool to hear how she was able to recognize that she needed a pause even and you know that she was able to prioritize herself yeah. and take a step back and find something that she really really loves and I actually think that that's what contributes to you and I being okay with bringing work home is that we love our job and so <laughs> instead of 
I mean, we don't spend a ton of time complaining about our work. There's not much to complain about. So instead, I think you and I do a good job of kind of yes anding each other, right? Like on our nightly walks with our baby, we're spending the time spitballing ideas of what we could do, what we could build. And it's really fun and creative and collaborative. And we're always kind of pushing each other to be more innovative. And so for me, that's I get I get the benefits of having a brilliant coworker just in my ear at all times also. So I think that is, I don't know, I feel really lucky about that. Yeah, me too. Everybody brings their work, work home with them to some degree. You know, like, okay, we're we're a little bit more extreme than most people because our work doesn't just come home and like, you know, goes out for <laughs> dinner and goes on dates with us and things as well. But like everybody will talk to their partner about work. Totally. You know, even when we didn't work at the same company, okay, we were in the same industry, we'd still talk about what we were doing, but we had to provide more context. You know, you wouldn't know the people I was talking about. You wouldn't know the projects I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Everybody does that. We just now have that additional context. It sounds like we're trying to convince ourselves that we love this. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really do. Like, I... Well, no, we chose this also. <laughs> multiple times, it should be said, Nye. Like, we have chosen this multiple times. Yeah, exactly. So, so no. either we are glutton for punishments or we really do like it. <laughs> Listening back to the episode, I took some notes for us for this conversation today. In the section of definitions, we should... For new listeners, Mm -hmm. define what DevRel is. We talked about it a couple different times. Sorry, (laughs) how unprofessional. I have phone going off in the background. My goodness, who is she? Are we going to start a whole new podcast for that? Like, how many hours do we have? (laughs) Oh, no, I have a couple good short definitions. I have one where I explain it as the bridge between the company and the developer community that's potentially is interested Mm. in using the company's product or technology. That's a one sentence or. I guess we do have the the cliche, you know, we are the voice of the company in yes. the community and the voice of the community in the company. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, those are maybe their cliche ways of defining it, but essentially, you know, we're helping the company get feedback, be the beta tester for products to be out in the community, speaking at conferences, writing tutorials, Twitch streams, podcasts, you know, talking to (laughs) folks and being a part of the communities. And that's what you and I love to do. And that's, you know, that is what developer relations is. And it was cool to hear it from her perspective. And this being her first DevRel role also, All of us kind of share newbies to Web3 identity, Mm -hmm. but then her fresh perspective on DevRel was also pretty interesting to hear her take on it. Yeah, very much. I think something you said there about like listing off all these different things you do as a DevRel, you know, from giving conference Mm -hmm. talks to Twitch streams to writing content, you know, just every day can be different. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Every day is different. And to me, links back to the only thing I liked about working in an agency was just how varied the work was. Mm. You know, you had so many different projects all the time. And I think that's the only reason I survived as long as I did working in an agency. You know, that constant change of projects and new interesting things to build probably allowed me to push off the burnout for as long as I did. So for me, DevRel brings that thing that I enjoy across, but without it being as horrendous a working environment. 
yeah, there's some more stability and consistency in this work yeah. product or the tech that you're working on, for example, pretty much stays the same. And so then you're just finding different ways to communicate and build with it uh, for the mm -hmm. community and, and to interact with them there. Uh, what I love about it is, and I've said this quite a bit, is that it's the it blends my two interests. It Before learning to code, being an English teacher. Once I became a developer, I missed making an impact for people and feeling like I was helping people and felt yeah. like I was just that piece of me that liked connecting with humans was gone. And so then once I found the space of developer relations and understood that I could help other developers mm -hmm. with cool technology and help them feel successful in a job day in, day out. It answered a lot of the things that I was searching for and I never looked back. Yeah, I love it. So if you are curious about this particular space, reach out to us. We we love talking about it with people and helping people find a way, a way into it. Very much so. If it's not something you thought about before, don't worry. As Lauren's story shows and my story and Sophie's story and I, very few people set off wanting to be in DevRel. We just kind of end up there. I've never met somebody who went, yeah, I went to college because um, I wanted to be in DevRel. <laughs> Nobody starts off their career trajectory that I find so far in DevRel. We all come from different places. It's such a amalgamation and such a lot of different like, skills that are required that people find their way into it from so many different paths. Well, similarly to how Zofi found her way into her first career in tech that it was just she saw a cool billboard I think is what she said yeah. uh, and after university that was the job she got and so ever since she's been in IT and it's like damn it's just wild how mm -hmm. our paths take us where we are I don't know there I mean obviously that's kind of like a duh statement our journey is our journey but it, it was interesting to now hear how she's ended up in web3 and her journey to learning more about the space and her goal for the year and what I when I asked her what are you going to learn next she was like just more about web three. It's like, that's so great. I mean, it was cool to hear that we're all kind of in that space too. I loved it. And there is so much to learn. So, so much to learn. Exactly. It's never boring. No, that definitely is not. Well, on that note, I believe we actually need to switch gears. We get to record another episode with another guest mm -hmm. right now. So let's hop over to that. Can't wait till y'all find out who it is. Secret project <laughs> teaser. Okay. Well, I love you. Love you too. Bye everybody. Bye. And that's a wrap on today's episode of We Belong Here. Be sure to go rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Give our show a follow at We Belong Podcast. And me at Aaron Bassett. And I'm at Lolo Coding. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for another story about someone diversifying the Web3 space.